0: Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect.
1: And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. With me this week, as always, Gretchen and Bill, welcome to the show.
0: Hello there. Hi.
1: So before we get going here, I just want to remind everybody that User-Friendly is a proud supporter of the Freedom of the People of Ukraine, Zelensky's United24 campaign is the place to go to get news if you want to donate money. But one of the other things right now is simply support. If you can send some emails, there's a way to do it through United24 and other places on the internet, just letting everybody know that we're thinking of them. The morale in some cases is as important or even more important than getting funds in and everything else. So that's united 24. That information is on our website at userfriendlyshow.com. If you have any questions, check it out there. We've got a great show coming up for you this week. One of the big things that's out there right now is the fact that both the Actors Union and the Writers Union are on strike. We're going to be talking about the details of that after the news a little bit. And then the next segment of the show, we're doing a QA and a this week where we're going to be answering a lot of questions. And believe it or not, there's a lot of questions on that. So we'll be diving into that as well. And, you know, both from a standpoint of technology and pop culture, which is what we do here, this has applications on both ends and is affecting things on both ends. So it'll be interesting to dive into that and get into that. So we've just come off of a really our first Comic-Con of the year. We talked about it last week was the uh, Silver Age Comic-Con, which was a lot of fun. And it's looking like we are going to be going to Rose City in September. This kind of came together last minute, but uh, it's looking like it'll be the case. So we'll keep you updated on that. And if we get to do a panel there again this year, we'll let you know on that as well. And if we are, we will be giving out t-shirts. So stay tuned for that over the next couple of weeks as we get the details and the information on all of that together, and we'll see what actually happens. So what do we have in the news this week?
0: Google says ARD can now use images and give audio responses.
1: So as the war of the AIs moves on here, and by that I mean (laughs) the different companies with their various AIs trying to compete, Bard for Google, ChatGPT, which we've talked about a lot, and Bing, um, having the AI-based search on their thing, they're all trying to do different things and make them all work better. And as the headline here says, you can now search, AI search with an image. So Google for a long time has had the ability to do an image search where you can upload an image from your phone or post it to your browser, and it's actually able to return results based on what's in the image. I use it all the time. It's a great tool, and it works reasonably well. Not 100% accurate, but it's out there. But now the AI can look at that and be able to work with images. And then on the other side of it is, so far, the responses that you've been given from AIs has been written, usually. And now it's uh, audio responses, and they are working on some bots, I've noticed, to where it can be completely conversational. So I think we're going to see that coming up pretty soon.
2: Microsoft and Activision agree to extend the $69 billion deal deadline as they wait for UK approval.
1: So this has been approved in the United States. From my understanding, we're still waiting for the UK. One of the big sticking points here is the game Call of Duty. Very popular game and right now is available on both the PlayStation and the Xbox. But the concern is after this merger that they would take it off of the PlayStation. Now, Microsoft and Activision have promised that they won't. No idea how enforceable that promise is, but that seemed to clean up the sticking point on this end. Now, if they hadn't agreed to extend the deadline, and I would consider this on my end to be motivational, it would have ended up costing Microsoft $3 billion as a breakup fee. Well, you know, not bad. If someone stands me up for lunch, I'd love to get $3 billion, although I haven't had that happen. Now, Bill, you work, you know, and do a lot of stuff with games. And I know we've talked about this off and on. And I'm going to ask you this question again. It's not the first time, but what do you feel about this merger? Is it a good thing or a bad thing for the industry?
2: To be honest with you, Microsoft has the ability to dump money into companies, but like Activision, It is a company that comes in with money, but perhaps not the best teams or the best culture, work culture, or uh, a lot of things, really. They bought out Bethesda not too long ago, and frankly, we really haven't seen any change with them other than what type of games they're making, Um, a little bit more sci-fi than usual. As far as Microsoft buying out such a large company as Activision Blizzard, it's I I just really don't know if it's going to be good or bad. I foresee it being probably just more of the same and maybe even more trashy, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it's a bu- it's a bummer that it's out that way. And I know in the past when we've talked about this, Activision is actually one of the oldest if not the oldest third-party game producer that has existed. They go back to the days of Atari. There was a lot of stuff that went along with that when they were formed, because at the time, it was like, you know, somebody else is going to make games for our system than us, and it went to court, and obviously, they're still here, so it was determined that they were allowed to do that. Um, Activision and Blizzard, of course, World of Warcraft, which is a game that I've loved over the years, and that type of a thing. But Bill, I have to agree with you. It seems like the direction that they've been going, at least in my opinion too, isn't great. And uh, I I guess we can only hope that maybe Microsoft can do something to turn that around. I don't think they could get much worse. But, And I just a little aside on this, I know I told you guys this when we were at the Comic-Con too, but uh, I could tell I'm a total geek when it was coming up. I was having some conversation with some friends. If you won the lottery, what would you do? And you know, somebody I'm going to buy a Ferrari. I'm going to go on a cruise around the world. And the answer I gave, and I didn't even think about it, was just, I'll buy the franchise rights to World of Warcraft and get it going again. (laughs) So I guess we all have our priorities, but but this one, certainly there is a priority. It's about money. Microsoft knows that. And we'll have to see where they end up, but you know, maybe, maybe things will get better. We'll see.
2: I mean, just as a last thought, I feel that, maybe Microsoft is doing this to try and keep some of that stuff going, but it seems like as a uh, history for them, they seem to be jumping on the bandwagon a little late from when things are popular.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. Which is, which is a bummer.
0: Lead covered cables causing problems for AT&T and others. What's that about?
1: well, This has been in the news recently, and I don't think it's really news per se. It's just more that we know about it. So for a period of time when we had landlines and back in the days that they had cables running everywhere to be able to facilitate and service that, apparently the manufacturing process for a period for a lot of these wires involved lead. And where we are today is we use wireless communications pretty much everywhere now, satellite. There's still cables that go from continent to continent and stuff like that. But these older systems are still out there. No one's ever gone and rolled up the wires, so to speak. So as a for example, if you've ever driven Interstate 80 between Reno and Salt Lake City, you see all these little brick buildings, which used to be the AT&T switching houses along there. And there's wires off and on that are still there. And as these are falling down and being abandoned and all the rest of it, they're starting to leach lead into the ground and there's a real concern it's actually hit the stock of a lot of these communication companies that their exposure from having to eventually clean all of this stuff up is going to be massive.
0: So is the lead lined thing from like the
1: 1950s 60s atomic concern era? I don't think it actually has anything to do with with atomic. It wasn't like they were trying to radiation or nuclear proof the wires. It was okay. just a way of doing the insulation. A lot similar idea to uh there was a period when they used lead to put the water lines in your house. They weren't trying to keep them from being radioactive. It was just a material that was easy to bend, easy to work with, and easy to install. Um, you know, Besides the fact that it causes people a lot of problems and even makes yeah. you go insane, it's an easy material to work with. So I think that's the same thing here. Yeah.
2: They're from an era before we had uh, wire-weaved protection and a
1: decent rubber yeah, so um, exactly. So it
2: was just the easiest and most efficient way to make these
1: these kind of wires. Well, you figure in that period too, if you look at the early wiring, like in your house, that was cloth covered, again, no plastic. And that's indoors, so it worked. But these have to be able to be out in the environment, and cloth would of course break down. So lead was a way to do it. But it's causing problems now because it's toxic.
2: Yeah. Just like this feels, uh, Netflix raises the price of no ads option by more than 50%. Yeah,
1: I would I would have to completely agree with you on that. So as soon as the That's password it. sharing thing ended, uh, so did my affiliation with Netflix. And the reason is, is to me, it's not wor- worth the cost. And I personally don't like streaming stuff with commercials forced on you. So I don't mind paying a little more for that. But there has to be something else out there. And one of the biggest things I know I personally used Netflix for for a long time was watching shows like Star Trek and others. And as one by one, those all started to disappear, I used it less and less. So all of a sudden, we can't share the connection anymore. So all of a sudden, it's not reasonable. What's going on here is the basic subscription plan that allowed you to get Netflix without ads. Ad-free option was $9.99 a month here and in the U.K., now, if you have a basic plan, you can continue to keep that until something happens that you don't have it anymore. But if you're a new customer or a returning customer or you pause your service or anything like that, the minimum that you're going to be able to get a no ad option at is going to be now $15.49 a month. So that's what yeah, we're I'm dealing not, with. 50, I'm dropping. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just that may, maybe you don't want to do this, and this might be why they're doing it, is if you have the basic plan and you keep it, you keep the old rate. And you keep that apparently from what they're saying until such time as you stop it or the payment doesn't go through or whatever. And that's what they um, said the last
2: time I was grandfathered.
1: Yeah. So huh. anyway, now okay. if you want ads, that now starts at six ninety nine and their pre their standard is fifteen forty nine and then um nineteen ninety nine for premium. And the difference between these seem to be the number of screens you can have. I know that one service, at least when I was using it, had four K capability, the other not, different things like that.
2: Yeah, I had uh the DVD and streaming service years ago, got hacked, and they couldn't replace it or return it back to my grandfather did one, so I lost the DVDs and I lost the number of TVs that I could have it streaming on and I probably should have dropped then, but you know.
1: I think that's when I'd start uh, writing letters to the Consumer Protection Bureau and people like that because that's ridiculous. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, these these things, They I, I, and again, I get the feeling that looking at the way that they're doing this is because a lot of people are dropping their subscriptions, and their number of subscribers has actually gone up, at least according to the numbers that they've reported. So take that for what it's worth. But on the flip side of it is there's a lot of people that don't like it. They call it churn. But now if they're doing something, well, if you stop, if you come back, it's going to not cost you more, but cost you more than double or one and a half times. That might be a deterrent. So I don't know. I just, Netflix, I I think it was a really cool thing. I love the technology. And at a time, it was something that I really enjoyed using. But now it's kind of like a lot of other options. There's a lot of other things. And it's just not what it was.
2: I think what's killing it for me, too, and I will put this out there is that they hire on these people to write for these franchises, like The Witcher, like Winx Club, or things like that. And it becomes very clear very quickly they have no idea about the source material. And in The Witcher's case, they flat out stated that they were going to go against stuff. You know, mm-hmm. um, The writers are what is killing The Witcher. Let's be straight about that. It was not Henry Cavill. It wasn't you know, interest. It was the writers who literally said they have no idea what to do because they want to not be following the books, the the lore, the everything. That
0: doesn't make any sense. You know, if the if the books were really popular, why not follow it? I don't I don't get that.
2: Oh, because <laughs> it's not my vision.
0: Yeah, it's So what? It's the original artist's vision. When do we yeah. start respecting the artist?
1: It's uh... you know? Well, that's a you know that's a good question. We're actually going to be talking a little bit about the writer strike and the actor strike, which really kind of ties right into the issues that you're bringing up right here. But one of the big things about that is, as exactly as both of you say, is this idea of maintaining a vision. If you have writers that are your normal, and I have a great deal of respect for writers. I know in everything I do, it's they're the ones that make the story work. You know, and and without them, you wouldn't be able to proceed. But to save money, in addition to AI, which we'll talk about in a little bit, is this idea of bringing on kind of like freelancers and the different things like that. They really don't necessarily know the backstory and don't have a in- reason to be, get invested in it and take the time to research it because they know they're not going to be there for more than a short contractual time. And you do end up in a situation where that kind of thing can totally screw up the uh, the continuity of a show. Now, Witcher. Which is a franchise again that I really like. I like the games. I, I haven't seen the latest season, of course, because I don't get the channel anymore. But from what I have seen in the past, I know that I really liked what they were doing with it at that point. And it's a shame to hear that that's no longer the case.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. You know, there are stories out there that of being different from the books. Like Jurassic Park is so different from its books. Um, Do Electric Street or uh, the Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is completely different than Blade Runner.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah.
2: But they still stayed to the spirit and the intention of those. You know, Jurassic Park, they couldn't show all the information because there's just so much in that book. Um, but people wouldn't have fallen in love with Deckard if they kept him to the guy that's actually in the book. You know, he wouldn't be Harrison Ford. He'd just be a whiny corpo man. And, <laughs> you know, it, it would have been interesting, but it wouldn't be the movie that we all know and love. But in this case, and in a lot of cases, I don't, the the writers need to at least be in the spirit and to a passion of what they're doing.
1: Yeah,
0: I agree. I I, I keep thinking about the whole Star Wars thing. And just to give a, a very quick example of the character of Luke Skywalker and how he was changed in the sequels. It didn't follow what the character was supposed to be.
1: Yeah, and, and, that's,
0: and that's so. Um, and they weren't re- they weren't respecting the original artists and their intentions. They just, you know, it was just like they didn't care, and people fell in love with it because of what the characters were originally. And if they want to do something fresh and new, don't destroy the original characters. Do something fresh and new. Yeah. And I, know, I, I agree with that
1: 100%. I think you know it's got to be very difficult. and You guys can speak to this better than I can, certainly. But the whole thing about being an artist requires, I would think, motivation and wanting to do the craft that you do. And if you're put in a situation where it's just like write it out, run it out, paint it out, whatever the case may be, but there's no real ability to own it, be proud of it, or be a part of it that would really disconnect the artist from their craft. At least that's the way I would see that that would work. Do you agree or disagree?
2: Yeah. But it is also, you know, there is a difference between the art that I do for myself and the art that I do for my commissions. You know, they want something, and it may or may not be what I'm into, but they will get the same quality as I get for what I can, you know, what they pay for. I think, though, the difference there is, I've studied what I'm doing, right? You know, mm-hmm. I know yeah. what I what I'm into and what my limits are. Some of these writers literally state, "Oh, I've never read it. I've never played it. I've never done anything." Yeah. So it's like, well, great, you're you're trash.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I I well I I had a problem with that Ahsoka book, and I started reading the first couple of pages, and I could tell immediately this person a did not love Star Wars, didn't bother to watch the Clone Wars series where Ahsoka came from. And she obviously did not understand who Maul was or what Ahsoka was as a Jedi. And it just, it, it, as a person who loves the, the, uh, the franchise and the genre, it was like a slap in the face. Why didn't they get someone who loved the character and would do the research?
1: Yeah. You know, I know. I agree.
0: Well, well, we've really gotten into that. Um, Shall we go on to the next news item? Uh, Netflix
1: apparently intentionally tries to crash their network. Yes, and this is one of those grabbing attention headlines when you see it out there. I was going through some (laughs) stuff and I found this, and it isn't quite as uh, in your face as that makes it to be. The original person that wrote this obviously used Netflix as an example. And doing a little research, it turns out a lot of companies actually do this. Um, To use Netflix as a for example... They use a lot of Amazon Web Services for distributing their movies and different things, and of which a lot of companies do. I mean, we do if we are technology as well. But what they have is a piece of software that goes through and intentionally tries to jam up and damage the distribution network. The idea being to have a controlled failure if one was going to exist so that they would know what it does and how to fix it and how to get around it. And this is actually pretty common practice for a lot of larger distribution systems. And one thing is, I know we've been ragging on Netflix here a little bit, but one thing to their benefit, at least from their technical team, is that even in line with all of this, it doesn't seem to be creating any major outages. So the idea of this might sound kind of weird, but it's a very real idea to be able to test their environment in real-world applications and make sure that the network has some resilience to it and have some fail-safes. So kind of an interesting way of doing it that it does it alongside of us watching movies, but it does, and it works quite well for them.
2: Isn't that what we used to call load testing?
1: Load testing is uh, I have my system, and I'm going to put 100,000 people on it and see if it works with 100,000 people. This is a little different in respect that it's that, plus I'm going to put something out there that will intentionally block certain servers or block certain distribution channels, and let's see if the system still works or if it crashes.
2: Okay. Tesla may make money or more money off of something other than their cars.
1: Yeah, another interesting little thing out here is Tesla, in addition to making electric cars, also has a pretty intense charging network. Uh, The Tesla superchargers, they're all over the place. You've probably seen one. Uh, If you haven't, Mm -hmm. open your eyes because they're definitely out there. But one (laughs) of the things that's happening now and one of the big problems with electric vehicles has been that pretty much every manufacturer – has a different system. So it would be like, if I have a Ford, I can only go to Chevron. If I have a, uh, you know, a Toyota, I can only go to whatever gas station and the other ones. The no, you're kidding. They fit.
0: did that. Yeah, though, I thought
1: yeah. There was an IEEE for this kind How of thing. stupid. Yep. Oh, yeah, well, IEEE has a standard. I, and I, as a member of IEEE, I will say that it's just not being followed.
2: Well, no, I meant for <sighs> automotive. I thought there was something like that, you know, where, Automotive manufacturers had a certain level of what they had, what they could and couldn't do.
1: Yeah, not with, not with charging things. And there's ways to get adapters and different stuff like that, but it's still pretty limited. Well, what's happening now is a lot of companies are starting to adopt what they call the Tesla standard for chargers, which is very, very likely going to eventually become the standard for how we charge our cars, which would be a major thing for Tesla, because what that would mean is they'd have to control of the charging or fueling network in many ways, and that could actually make as much, and some are saying maybe possibly even more money than the selling of their cars. So when we get back after the break, we're going to be talking and answering actually a lot of questions that deal with the SAG and the writer's strike and some of the other things that are going on with that, and also be touching a little bit on what is actually going on here and why this is a big deal. It's a historic thing because it's the first time since the 60s that both the actors and the the writers have been on strike at the same time. And it's also interesting because it's one that's not just about pay. That's, of course, part of it. That's part of most situations when you have labor disputes. But a big piece of this is the idea that some studios want to use AI where they can program in a likeness of an actor or writer and then have the AI replicate that in a movie or a production or whatever the case may be. And the actors and writers don't like that. And I understand, not that I would express an opinion on that. But you don't want your likeness being taken and used outside of your area of control. And we've run into this inadvertently as, for example, the cyberpunk game had a character in it that you could actually mod the character, but it was a real person and have him do things that he wouldn't normally have done, which might be inappropriate. So they fixed that in the programming. But this is something where they want to be authorized. So when we get back after the break, we're going to be talking about this in a little more depth. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be right back. RPC. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Check out our website. UserFriendlyShow.com is the place to go for all of our back episodes. Check out Tech Wednesday. Check out our flash briefings, articles, and everything else. And you, yes, you can submit a question or a comment to the show. There's a big blue button to do that. You'll see it right in the middle of the screen. And please use it. It's how we do our programming. It's how we get our information. And this whole section coming up here is going to be basically a Q&A. And that's how we get the programming for it. We'd love to talk to you. It doesn't mean you have to go on the air, but but if you wanted to, userfriendlyshow.com. All right, so we started talking about this a little bit at the end of the previous segment, and that is that right now, the Screen Actors Guild SAG and the Writers Guild of America, I believe that's the guild, is on strike. And as such, it's uh, causing a complete work shutdown for everything movies. The issues of this are somewhat vast. Money is certainly part of it. But a big part of it, too, like we were talking about earlier in the show, has to do with the use of AI and how it will work with this. So the last time there was a strike of this nature, it had to do with going from movies to broadcast television and being paid for that and all of that. So a little different time period, a little different technology, but still a concern that all the artists, the people that bring our stuff to life need to be paid. And sometimes the people in control of the checkbooks want to try to figure out other ways to do it. And AI, from a technical perspective, could allow that to happen. You would have the ability to program in the likeness, mannerisms, and some speech of a given performer, let's say, and then have the AI be able to recreate that person. And Bill, I, you know, I know you've looked into this as well. It's, it's what, one sentence that they need now to be able to recreate somebody's voice? Uh. It-
2: can be. It's not. Yeah. it's not very much anymore. You know, it used to take basically full sound bites of everything and now they can extrapolate uh basically how you handle every uh vowel and such. So it's really and that, being the case, that but right, not great.
1: Right. And, and, and that being the case, simply having an example of a movie to train an AI with that has been produced by the actual actor or performer would certainly give enough information to be able to recreate their mannerism speech and with AI as well, the video side of it too. So that's the area from Seg, And then from the writer's area, it's again, similar things using AI to write our shows. And we were talking about There's several news publications I'm understanding that are going to go or want to go completely AI um, among other things. And, the other part of it is, is this whole idea of freelance writers. And again, we were talking about that in the first half of the show in a little bit of uh, detail when we were talking about Star Wars and all of that stuff. But it is creating a situation that if your occupation in life is to be a writer and you're one of these really, really talented people that can do that, and you're going to want to charge, you know, you'd like to be able to eat and make a little money off of your career, and there's the option of bringing in freelancers, people that don't really know the project, people that are cheaper maybe and they can replace you, that's a problem. And one end of it is it does, in my opinion, damage a lot of the productions that are being done, but it can really screw up the professionals in the industry that are offering these services. So negotiations have fallen apart from both unions, and both unions are on strike. So Along with that, we've had a lot of questions coming in. So what I'd like to do is hit the Q&A. If we have a little time at the end, we'll talk about this a little bit more. But the first majority of this is based on the SAG or the uh, Writers Guild Strikes. Let's go ahead and just start with the questions, and we can comment on them one by one.
2: I'm an entertainment journalist. Can I cover movies and TV?
1: So... Question that comes in, uh, by the way, the answers of these come from Variety. I just want to give credit where credit is due for that. Plus, we're not an attorney, and we didn't look it up. So that's where we're getting this information. (laughs) Um, And uh, they would know. So in answer to the first question here, movies and TV, if you're a critic, you are not a member of the unions. Critics are not on strike and are not obligated to stop reviewing movies or TV shows. Now, there's some caveats to all these answers that we'll get into a little later, but that's the general response to that one.
0: I'm an entertainment journalist. Will
1: any actor talk to me about their project? So again, similar answer to the first question, entertainment journalists, whether they belong to a union or not, are not on strike. And even those broadcast journalists, i.e. user-friendly, who are represented by sag aftra are not affected as the strike relates only to TV and theatrical contracts. Again, some caveats with that, but that is the answer that we have been given.
2: What if the actor wants to talk about their project and sets up an interview through their personal publicist and not through the studio?
1: This is something that, according to SAG, is not okay. Um, To be able to go on and do that is considered a method of performing. Now, the Writers Guild of America also had this, but has softened their stance on it a little bit. So you might be able to still talk to a writer about their project but certainly from sag this is a big no no and i'm not sure that it's a golden yes from the wga either should i boycott netflix well in my opinion i don't think this has anything to do I- i'm sorry I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just went out in left field <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well and if you listen to the first half you might know that we might have a little bit of an opinion on this ourselves but according to sag and the wga Uh, Neither has called for a boycott of Netflix or any other platform. So if you do it on your own, it really doesn't make that much of a difference either. You can if you want to support them, but you certainly don't have to. And I don't even think it would do a lot of good if you did.
2: I'm an influencer. Can I promote movies and TV shows?
1: So this one gets a little bit tricky. Most influencers are non-union or not subject to any strike rules directly. But some of them do work under the SEGA for influencer agreement. That's a thing and may want or may want to someday. And that's the other big part of this. Like I said earlier, there's a little bit of a caveat to this. You've not only got to think about what you're doing now, but what you may want to do in the future. Those influencers have been asked not to promote uh, stuck work, movies and TV shows, either for pay or organically while the strike is on. Now, if the influencer already has a contract to promote something, the union advises them to fulfill the obligations of the contract, and they are also free to influence on any other subject. So part of this is at your discretion. But if you want to back and if you feel it necessary to back this situation with the union, you may not want to do this. And I would certainly ask somebody that can give you a formal legal answer on that one. Can I do cosplay? Yeah, interesting question, huh, Gretchen?
0: Yeah, actually it is. And now you've got me wondering about my blog, you know, uh, should I not be writing in my blog? Uh, You know, know, I don't want
1: to screw things up. And these are areas where this can get a little bit uh, sticky. So the official answer, uh, Variety published, that came from the union is if you're not in SEG AFRA, go right ahead, um, subject to the exemption for future union influencers that we just talked about. So in other words, A cosplayer in many cases is also an influencer, whether you intend to be or not, because you're promoting a certain character or, you know, series or franchise or property or something like that. And if you are in SAG or you plan to be in the future, you may not want to get into the middle of that. And if you are a union member or want to be, they say to look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I promoting Struck work? If that's the case, then the answer is no, you should not cosplay. So an example of this is that Deadpool is on hold now because of the strike. So if you play Deadpool at a Comic-Con and you're a member or want to be a member of the union, it's not a good time to do that cosplay. It could be unwise as a career move. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So not, well, I'm not strictly so, like against the rules. Afterwards, you're going, well, you didn't support us. You know, And, and that actually could happen.
0: And it just dawned on me. I, I have a blog and... I'm, I think I'm part of one of the writing guilds. So it's like, should I not write any more on my blog?
1: You know, I think we need to find out an answer to that. If anybody knows the answer to that, please shoot it up to the website, userfriendlyshow.com. I'll also look into it a little bit, but that's a good question because that's probably would fall as an influencer. Although being a member of the writer's guild is not the same thing as a SAG influencer agreement. But, Mm -hmm. you know, where does this all play out? And I know from my own, and I'm I'm just going to give my opinion here on this, that in this particular set of situations, I know that the unions and uh, there's people, you know, both schools of thoughts, people that like unions, people that don't. But I know in the case, especially of the Screen Actors Guild, prior to all of this, the studios were doing some very weird things with their actors and Mm -hmm. were able to do stuff that could screw up people's careers, prevent them from working. All kinds of other things, and the union getting involved in that has helped to correct those problems. Plus, you actually get paid and aren't expected to work for 10 cents an hour. So, from a standpoint of myself, I think I'm going to err on the side of the union when it comes down to some of these things, especially when there's a call to be made. But the, you know, again, what I would really advise is get a hold of your agent. If you're a union member, you're probably going to have an agent, and if not, get a hold of somebody that can answer this officially. And if you still are concerned about it, go to SAG's website or go to the Writer Guild's website. There are ways through that that you can simply ask the question and get a determination from the union itself.
2: I'm an independent producer. Can I get a waiver to keep making my project?
1: So this is another area that is a bit of a variance on all of the other things that are going on. So the straight answer to this is yes. SAG calls this an interim agreement. And basically what you're doing is you're agreeing to adhere to the final terms of whatever deal is reached with the union at the end of the day. So you would agree to do that. but And you also have to really be independent of uh, union companies and all that kind of a thing. But if that's the case, then you can do an interim agreement. Again, I would check with the appropriate parties on this to get a determination and make sure that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing. But there are ways to do that and still be in line with what you are supposed to do.
0: What happens if I break the strike rules? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah.
1: Boom, boom, boom. I heard that, 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 what is it? That law and order sound? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Dun, dun. I, what was I? Yeah. Anyway, it's been a while, but I actually, yeah. I shouldn't do that sound right now because it might violate the union. No, at the, uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> who knows, maybe it does.
1: <laughs> so if you break the strike rules inadvertently, in all realities, and especially if it's unintentional, somebody will probably tap you on the shoulder and remind you not to do it again. That's you know where that goes. However, it's important to note that the union absolutely has the power to enforce its strike rules and the penalties that can be included in this censure, reprimand, fine, suspension, or expulsion. If you're not a member and perform struck work, you will be barred from joining the union in the future. That is a big deal too, because it is very important for professional yeah. performers to be able to be a part of their unions. It's how you get work. And if the, you do something, and, and this would be more, either you've run over someone's toes, or you're blatantly doing something you're not supposed to, and most likely have been talked to about it, and you're still not, refu- you're still not, you know, doing what they want you to do then yeah, you can be all of those things up to being expelled. And if you're expelled, you're probably not going to get a lot of work in the future, at least not of a lot of good work, you know. So that is really a quick go over of the majority of questions that have come in on all of this. And I know there's a lot of other questions about them, so keep them coming. We'll get answers for you on that as they come in. But, you know, definitely something to think about here a little bit, something that's very important and seeing what's going on and supporting whoever you would choose to support, whatever side on this is important because this is how you really do influence the way things go down the down the future. All right, so moving a little bit away from the SAG stripe and all that kind of stuff, we do have some other questions that have come in, so let's go ahead and just jump into those.
2: Is it normal for items sold on Amazon Prime Day to be delayed?
1: Uh, yes. Oh, did you want more details on that? So, um, we're seeing this on both sides of the things. On some stuff, it's actually been faster this year in the past. Amazon's getting certain deliveries through quicker. And with Mm -hmm. the looming of the uh, UPS, the possibility of a UPS strike at the end of the month, it's probably a very good thing that this is all getting handled quickly and that it's not like the end of July, it's the beginning. But I have noticed on some other things, some specific products that they've simply run out of inventory and supply. One of them, for example, is one that we can speak to personally, is we ordered a pair of uh, uh, camera and a pair of floodlights uh, for the rings. And the order came in, no problem with that, but it's not going to be delivered until the first week in August simply because they don't have any. So uh, that that is a difficulty. So if you're seeing a slowdown, it's very likely for that. So you go into Amazon, check your order history, there is a couple of things that can be going on. Um, if there's a tracking number and it's showing, a, it should show you a delivery date. And if there's a problem with the inventory, it'll be a few weeks out. Usually that's fairly accurate. It's not hundred percent, but it gives you an idea. But the one thing to be careful about here too, is just because it's prime day, doesn't mean there's not scammers. Yeah. And one of the things that we've all run into from time to time on Amazon is sellers most of the sellers are great people independent all that but there's a few of them that are just not you know, they're just not in it for the right reason let's say unscrupulous <laughs> would probably be the word gretchen why don't you give us a just a quick description of? oh you the mean dress like you the dress
0: that was not made for a human yeah yeah there was two dresses and um and i would i'd have to say the costumers guild would be like what is this you know because Obviously the person who um, made the pattern had no clue what a human being looked like. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was bad. So they, I they, won't even, I won't even give the dresses to goodwill
1: because. Yeah. And they uh, are that bad. I've seen, yeah. I've seen them. They, they tried to change the size by sewing a panel into one part. It didn't anyway, well,
0: only one side, yeah. you know? So, cause you know, every woman, you know, if she gets fat, She only gets fat on one side of her body.
1: (laughs) Outside of that um, classification. um, No, but the bottom line of it is, what this company did, and they were trying to screw around too, is they shipped this thing. And then they Mm -hmm. said, you know, no no problem. We'll take returns. The only problem is, and what they didn't tell you, is in order to return it, you have to ship at your expense it back to China.
0: Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And luckily, I was really lucky that, that amazon took care of the situation and that's
1: where i was was going to go with this amazon has a thing called to z guarantee and what that is is that they do make sure for the most part that everything's okay and i've had very good luck with that where what you really need to do is go into amazon go to the chat and get in to talk to somebody and that's a little bit of a challenge to get there but once you do get in you let them know what's going on. You'll need the order number. You'll need to be able to describe what happened, all that kind of stuff. And they will usually get you taken care of where they'll either go back to the manufacturer and try to get the problem resolved or like in your case, Gretchen, I think they just refunded you pretty much right away, wasn't it?
0: They refunded me my money and I was like, do you want this stuff? And they're like, nah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, if, so. With the other thing that I've run into from time to time because there are third-party sellers and this is the same for services like eBay and others too is that there will be, they try to minimize it, but it does get through the cracks where people get on and they'll sell a whole bunch of stuff with no intention of ever shipping anything at all. And then they- That happened to me. Bill?
0: That happened to you?
2: Yeah, I ordered a book that came out. Um, They only wanted like 20 bucks, but that's what they were doing, is they would put up books for half of their price or quarter and then take your money and try to run with it. And that was what was going on with this company. Amazon covered me on it, but-
1: yeah, and that's yeah. It, and it becomes a bummer because that discourages people from ordering from the little guys because you won't, wouldn't necessarily have that guarantee where Amazon does cover that eBay, same thing. But yeah, these kind of things do happen and you want to be careful. I also do recommend that if you shop online and it's something like that, you didn't know, pay with your credit card, there's certain things that that gives you some ability to be able to do a chargeback or challenge things. I'm not a big fan of PayPal, but services like that also do have things within them. And one thing I found out about PayPal, too, is that if you challenge a charge, most of the time when I've done that in the past, it's found against me that I don't get my money back. And if that happens to you, it's very much worthwhile, especially if you feel you're in the right on this, to then file a complaint with the Better Business Bureau. And I will tell you, I've used PayPal since 1999, I believe. And every time I've had to go that route, they do immediately refund my money as soon as the complaint comes through. So sometimes you might have to push a little bit harder, but at least you have some coverage. But yeah, if it's a third-party company that you don't know anything about and you spend money, you would have whatever your credit card would offer. But it does make it a lot more difficult to get these things handled. And um, I'm all about small business. Man, I run my local chamber and everything. I think it's important to support the small guys, but you've also got to watch out for yourself. And just make sure you don't get scammed. And it happens at yeah. the time.
0: What is SaaS? Yeah, a question that we got <laughs> on the
1: computer, and, or on the computer, there we go, on the show in the past about that. And um, SaaS simply stands for software as a service. And this is a type of software that you usually run through your web browser. So if you go to your bank and log into your checking account and view your balance, that's an example of software as a service. So, really, anything that runs through your web browser, but you don't have to install it on your computer in order for it to work.
2: Okay, and this isn't like the, the those bad subscription models?
1: Oh, it can be a bad subscription model. That's still software as a service. SAS that, that doesn't mean that you it's mean like good. A, it's just the way it does it.
0: horrible a, Adobe Photoshop stuff where it doesn't really work, and it gets slow because you're doing this massive picture, and it,
1: yeah. <laughs> the distribution model of that would probably not be software as a service. That's actually
0: oh, oh, okay. client.
1: Because you're still having to okay. install software in order for that to work.
0: Oh, okay. Just, you know.
1: Because <laughs> I mean I
2: know they do uh uh gas, which is games as a service, yeah. which is the idea that you know you, they, you're you're paying the subscription uh, world of warcraft technically considered that oh yeah there's to a degree
1: and these these models are all, all out there um Sarcos, which is a company that we've had on the show earlier talking about their robotics offers something called ras robots as a service and it's the same type of thing you pay a monthly fee and you get a robot that covers everything the dealing with it but you don't actually own it you're essentially subscribing to it and mm-hmm. again there's advantages and disadvantages like with software you don't have to Pay to maintain it. If it breaks, they take care of it, but you will always have a payment.
2: Will AI remove the need for programmers?
1: Yeah, so some of the predictions that have been out there with all of the AI coming to light is quite amazing. This is one of them. And I think one thing that I should do talk about here too is that AI is really not a brand new thing. It's just a brand new thing in the way that it's being done now and the fact that it's in the news. We've had AI around for a long time and That hasn't eliminated programmers. I think it will make a change to the way that programmers work. And I'm going to do a shout out on this. I was invited as a guest on a show called the Catalyst AI, and I'll get the air dates of that out as soon as I know I'm here a little bit. But we dived into this in a lot of depth on there, talking about if everybody that's a programmer like myself is going to be out of business in five years. And no, I do not believe that'll be the case. I think it's going to be more a situation that we're going to have to keep up with things, change what we're doing. But it's the same thing that 15 years ago, if you develop software, it was probably in-house website. Now you might be using third-party tool sets and all kinds of things, but you still need the programmer. And even with AI, you're still going to need the programmer.
2: See, I, I see it eventually becoming more and more prevalent. You know, um, The AI will probably start doing things where there's, Uh, optimizing Mm -hmm. existing software or be doing low-level development stuff for apps and things like that um, because they'll be able to put it together what you want. But I mean, let's be honest, in a decade or two, we're probably going to see AIs able to write entire programs for what are needed.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that AIs won't be able to program. I think they will. But the question's more, is it going to completely eliminate the programmer's industry, vertical market? And no, it'll be different. And, you, and you're absolutely right, Bill. I don't think that programmers are going to be doing a lot of the certainly basic or entry level stuff like we have today. And we already see that in some ways. It, five years ago, writing an app for your phone was extremely expensive and took a lot to do. And now there are certain things where you can't actually go on and just use a set of tools and build out an app and have it working in a couple of hours. And I think AIs will take us the same direction in a lot of the programmer pro- programmatic functionality, I can say that. Um, but I don't see it completely eliminating the need for programmers as an industry.
2: Yeah, I mean, I see them more moving towards design myself, you know, because the aesthetics and stuff, you're going to see more of that, I think, have to be in the toolkit.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll tell you right now, AIs can do some beautiful aesthetics. We're already seeing that in website design and some other things. So there is definitely, I think it's going to make things better. I think it's going to make things easier. I also think it will lower the cost for business to get something like a decent website or even some custom software, but I don't see it putting every programmer on the planet out of business. Well, do we have time for what is GA for from Google? Hey, sounds like we do. <laughs> so a question that's been coming in, we actually had this last week and then we weren't able to cover it. Google has a service where they do analytics for a lot of websites, it's something that you sign up for. It's usually, at least I don't think it costs anything. It might. But anyway, you tie it in. So it tracks how many visitors you've had, where they've come from, all the, how long they've been on the site, all that kind of stuff. And GA, Google Analytics 4 is the version. Version 4 is now what's being used. Version 3 was sunsetted and went away at the beginning of July. So if you're still using version 3, you're no longer going to get analytics. So you do want to make sure you get that upgraded. And with that, this is User-Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2023, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. Views expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting and technology provided by WeAreTechnology.com.
2: Listen at TheAnswerPortland.com, UserFriendlyShow.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts.